bombshells from the land of 10,000 lakes. Locked on Women's Basketball starts now. You are Locked on Women's Basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Well, hi there and happy Friday to you. I am Howard Megdahl, host of Locked On Women's Basketball, founder and editor of The Next. You can follow us every day here by making us your first listen. You can follow us on Twitter at Locked On WBB and make sure you're following all the coverage, all the work we are doing over at thenexthoops.com. Lucas Seehofer has a must-read piece. I, I, this is my summary of it. Tell me if you think this is accurate, okay? All right. Yeah, I think that does it justice. I think that's a, a, that's about what uh, is going on here. And now, late last night. That's when Angel McCautry gets bought out. Yep. Here come the rest of the roster moves. Oh, that's perfect. That's exactly what's going on up here. Sounds about right. Take me through it. The Minnesota Lynx, who have been a hallmark of stability for up over a decade. Tell the listeners, I just let's start by just the basics. What on earth has happened this week? Yeah, so, I mean, I, it'd probably be easier to say what hasn't happened in this last week. <laughs> um, yeah, so, you know, after the the their, the Lynx's loss to the Mystics, um, Cheryl Reeve came post-game and had uh, taken a stance of kind of like, hey, we're kind of working through some things here. Like, when, they're, when the athletes are in practice, they're communicating, they're talking, they're kind of doing everything right, and it's just not translating to game action. Um, and it's kind of understandable. Their first two games were against the, uh, the Storm and the Mystics, two of the league's top teams. Uh, obviously, as has been talked about ad nauseum, the Lynx are kind of uh, severely under, uh, undermanned at the moment with uh, injured due to injuries and uh, players still being overseas, that kind of stuff. Um, but then following the loss to the Indiana Fever, um, who were starting, you know, however many rookies, uh, extremely young roster. 37. Um, yep, yep. Um, it's about, yeah, about right. Um, yeah, so, you know, she took a very different tone after that game. Um, was much more frustrated, uh, much more. It kind of came off as concerned about the state of, of the team. Um, I, I think, you know, to expect some moves would, would, have been, would have been normal, would have been natural. But to expect this extensive moves, um, 
again, I think I said the same thing in the last podcast. You know, I don't think anybody saw it coming. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Cheryl Reeve does what has to be done. And she doesn't shy away from making difficult moves, to be sure. But the sheer amount of what we saw, you know, Angel McCautry, and you wrote about this, and, and the pieces must read, as as all your pieces on the links are. Uh, but you talked about that Angel McCautry being signed the idea behind Angel joining was that she was going to be a critical part of this team. And so to have a buyout and have it so soon uh, is concerning. Benefit of hindsight is 2020 in terms of how healthy she is. But to reconfigure what you're looking to do there so quickly, how do you feel what Angel was going to be for this team? That's not so easy. That's not something you get off the waiver wire necessarily. No, definitely not. And, and I think a, a, what adds another layer of complexity here is that she was a protected contract. Uh, so she couldn't have just been been waived and released. She had to be bought out. So whatever figure they agreed to, that still counts against uh, the salary cap. So mm-hmm. from a cap's perspective, you know, the links are really in no different position than they were when they started the season. Um, all the other roster moves, they were either hardship players or um, training camp contracts or whatever. So that doesn't count against the cap anymore, but the links are still right up against it, you know, against the wall financially here. Um, as far as, you know, what Angel was expected to provide was, you know, a player that could play, you know, some of the front court, some of the back court, veteran leadership, a good compliment to Sill, uh, maybe some ball handling duties, some playmaking duties, that kind of stuff. Um, she appeared in one of the preseason games uh, that we weren't unfortunately able to watch because um, it wasn't on TV. Uh, and then the game uh, against the Mystics, um, when she returned after missing the last preseason game in the, the season opener because uh, mm-hmm. of knee soreness, um, she did not look herself. She did not look comfortable out there. Um, asked Cheryl after the game if her knee was feeling fine. And, and, and Cheryl said, hey, you know, she's been cleared to play. You'd have to ask have to ask Angel that question. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, as far as what the links do now moving forward, it's, you know, there uh, there's only limited options. They can really only look at the waiver wire, look who's a free agent. Um, I guess I wouldn't throw a trade out of the question, but I would say that's not the most likely scenario that's going to be happening here, at least in the next couple of days. Um, it's really, you know, going to be um, a puzzle to kind of see uh, how uh, Cheryl Reef uh, goes about uh, solving it. What I think is interesting as it relates to the solutions in-house is Ariel Powers, who's been asked to play a lot of two early on just by virtue of what the roster doesn't have. She is, to my mind, a prototypical three. And so it does seem like there is that solution in-house provided Demiris Dantas is back and Taylor McBride is back. What, what is the timeline on each of them at this point? Uh, obviously, for, for different reasons. Yeah, so Kayla, her uh, team over in, in Europe, uh, Fenerbahce, is up 2-0 in the finals. Um, and she was originally projected to be back late May. Um, so I would say anywhere between, you know, probably three, two to three weeks maybe yet before she comes back. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as far as, as Dantas goes, it's really still up in the air. You know, she suffered a, a Liz Frank injury in her foot at the end of last year. Um, those can be kind of notoriously slow healers. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, Demiris is going through that right now. Um, she's still technically listed as not with the team, but when she was uh, on the sidelines at home game, she's still wearing uh, kind of like a partial boot uh, mm-hmm. on that uh, foot. Um, so she hasn't yet uh, returned to necessarily, you know, playing, uh, you know, full contact, practicing full speed, that kind of stuff. Uh, during training camp, she had originally said two to three more weeks before she um, 
was going to kind of ramp back into that stuff. Well, we're coming up on that two to three weeks right now. Um, so it really is, uh, it's anybody's best guess as to when she'll be back. Uh, and to your point on powers, yeah, she's, she's been playing a lot of two. She's been tasked with, you know, a lot of shot creation, a lot of ball handling, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, providing a lot on the defensive end of the court as well. And I think the results have kind of borne out the fact that that's not necessarily the best way to um, maximize her talents, especially on the offensive end. Right now she's uh, struggling mightily. I think she's like nine for 49 or something like that from the field. Correct. I, I, I mean, the shooting is just she is so much of a better shooter than that. You just wonder at a certain point how much she is inside of her own head. And that is something that should be able to be solved, especially if you put her in more comfortable areas to succeed. But I also think it goes back to what has made Minnesota so successful uh, over this period of time. And yes, there are strategic reasons for that, but I also think there are culture reasons for that. And so I wonder how much you think just making sure the culture is what makes the Lynx most likely to succeed played a part in everything that's happened here. And then, you know, after the break, we'll get into the point guard scenario a little bit more. Yeah, no, I think absolutely. And, and Cheryl Reeve has mentioned that, that she wants to make sure that the roster has the right culture, that the players are there for each other, um, that they kind of embody what the Lynx have embodied over the last decade plus. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think they're, you know, specifics, I don't know specifics, but I think that definitely played a, a role in, in the bevy of moves that we saw unfold not only yesterday, but uh, prior to the season as well. So a surprise delivery, something that I know all too well about, because this morning, ahead of schedule even, I received notification that my built bars were sitting right outside. I'm going to go get them after this podcast is recorded. Uh, built Bar has some interesting flavors always, and they have something right now called Birthday Cake Puffs. Imagine dipping your finger into that plastic tub of birthday cake frosting and then opening your eyes and realizing it was only 150 calories and 16 grams of protein. That is what it is like to eat a birthday cake puff from Built, as I understand it. I'm about to go find out for myself. Make every day your birthday. Today's Emma Meesman's birthday. So make today your celebration on behalf of Emma Meesman with Built's birthday cake puffs. Built has taken the delicious experience of biting into a fresh slice of birthday cake, put it in 100% white chocolate, and added sprinkles. So I want you to go over to Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, and get 15% off your order. Promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your order at Built.com. And Lucas, when you do it, make sure you let them know Grandma sent you, Grandma Myrna sent you, will you? I will. Okay, greatly appreciated. So I'm going to throw a crazy stat out at you. There have been three primary ball handlers for Minnesota so far this year. Yvonne Turner, Odyssey Sims, Rachel Bannum. None of them have cracked 24% in an assist percentage. And the best of the three is shooting 32% from the field. I'm going to offer the following idea. It is not possible for things to get worse from the point guard spot. And moreover, I believe that Bannum in particular, uh, simply by reverting to the mean, is going to get better. Do you think that is a reasonably optimistic take? I think so. Yeah. You know, um, Rachel 
definitely played some one uh, while she was at the University of Minnesota in college um, and really has not played much one uh, in the WNBA. And she kind of talked about that uh, during preseason, how um, she's still kind of getting her foot wet in there. She's excited about the opportunity. Um, but, you know, when when she's at her best, what she's doing is she's, you know, making the smart play, kind of playing within herself on offense and then knocking down three pointers. Um, last game uh, against the Fever, at, she went four for 11 from three. Um, and had been shooting very poorly uh, in the first couple games before that. So, you know, I think, you know, she's always been kind of a streaky shooter, um, even back in her in her uh, college days. But, you know, I think as she gets more comfortable, and, and Cheryl has the utmost confidence in her, um, and she even commented how, like, so Rachel didn't start um, as, the, as the primary point guard in the game against the Fever, but then came out at halftime as the primary point guard when Minnesota kind of went on a run and, and really threatened to get back in there and win it. Um, and Reeves uh, said after the game how impressed she was with that unit um, and how they fought and battled and, and played for each other and, and got Minnesota back in that game. So I think I think as far as long as Rachel Bannum is on the roster, she's going to be one of the primary ball handlers, if not the primary ball handler. And, and like you said, you know, <laughs> things can't really get any worse. I, I do think she's going to kind of regress to the mean and play more towards her her uh, her career averages. Um, and obviously, this, this, the sooner that happens, the better. Bantam, it is not a surprise, is a part of, in Cheryl Reeves' mind, the solution, especially if we view it through a framework of culture rather than pure strategic and tactical uh, decisions. So that was very striking to me. It is also notable that of the three players I cited, uh, Odyssey Sims is no longer with the team. Uh, by clear design, there's a mutual separation. That's not the type of thing that is likely to change. Uh, however, uh, Yvonne Turner, I don't believe, was anything other than a hardship contract. And again, it's important. I hope my listeners hear this because I, I hear this all over the league. that The hardship contract ends. You must release the player after the hardship contract ends. There's no, you can't just convert. You can release and then you have to resign. And every time it happens, a fan base is up in arms. Oh, why wouldn't you just, you can't, you can't do it. So my question is more. Uh, Cheryl seemed uh, we were on that post game on Sunday night together. Uh, you were in person. I was uh, virtual, uh, but she was very uh, positive about Yvonne Turner while pointing out, obviously, you can't live and die on Yvonne Turner threes. Uh, do you think that there's a good possibility we see Yvonne Turner back here backing up Rachel Bannum? Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised, um, you know, especially since I think you could make the argument that she performed the best out of the, out of the three point guards through the first three games of the season. Uh, and even going back into the preseason um, and Cheryl, you know, has said had nothing but great things to say about uh, Yvonne throughout the preseason uh, training camp and the start of the regular season. Um, yeah, like you said, you know, it, it is interesting kind of the timing of some of these hardship deals being um, eliminated because none of them were were up necessarily so that leads me to believe that you know i don't have any solid information on this but it, it would lead me to believe at least a couple of them maybe one or two of them are going to be re-signed as, as kind of long-term contracts or at least for the rest of the season um, because otherwise why would you release them at this at this point well that's such a great point and again this speaks to and it's important our listeners understand this it, it, a little into the weeds here but let's do it because it matters the sooner that you end the hardship contract, the sooner that period of time, I believe it's 48 hours. I, I cannot swear to that, but I know there's a period of time that starts after which you can sign them to a rest of season contract. And that matters. And the sooner you're able to do that, the sooner you're able to 
bring them back, which obviously in several of these cases, I, I suspect for Nia Davis as well, uh, this is a player that Minnesota is going to want and need, uh, certainly in the near term and quite possibly in the medium term and long term as well. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, I don't think it's any coincidence that, like you said, the kind of that, and I also believe it's 48 hours, that 48 hour period would be, what would it be Saturday at, you mm-hmm. know, sometime early afternoon? Well, they play Saturday night. Um, yeah. So those contracts can become official Saturday afternoon sometime. They've already familiar with the system. They probably haven't left the market. They'll just be up and ready to play um, when, when those contracts become official. Um, yeah. And I, and I agree. I think of the, of the three or four that were released, um, uh, Renaya Davis and Yvonne Turner would probably be the biggest names to, to watch. Um, but it wouldn't surprise me if Nikolina Milic was also uh, uh, re-signed just because she, you know, she, she didn't play a ton in the first uh, handful of games at the beginning of the year. But when she was out there, uh, she looked like a WNBA player. And I know Reeve has, has kind of had her eye on her for a couple of years. So to bring her over on a hardship contract, to only have her play two or three games, minimal mi- minutes, that doesn't make uh, a ton of sense in my mind. So it wouldn't surprise me if, if she was back on a, on a deal as well. Things don't get easy from here, Lucas, for the Minnesota Lynx. If you look at the schedule, you've got Chicago on Saturday. That at least is a home game. Then the Lynx are off to a three-game road trip that includes visits to Los Angeles, who have been playing pretty well so far. Las Vegas, who's been among the better teams in the league so far. And then you got to go to Dallas. Dallas uh, didn't have a great opener, but... Uh, winning in Dallas is not an easy thing. That building gets loud, and that is a team that will be at fuller strength as Tierra McAllen uh, returns, I believe, tonight. You're 0-3. 0-3 is challenging enough in a 36-game season. What do they need out of this week, in your mind, in order to begin the process of writing the ship? Yeah, so I, you know, I wrote at my uh, season preview that I thought the Lynx needed to win at least half of their first nine games before uh, Kayla McBride came back in order to kind of, you know, stay in contention for at least that home court advantage in, in the playoffs. Well, yeah. we're we're three games through and we're zero and three. So, it, but by by going by my previous logic, they have to go, what four and four and two, four and two, you know, something like that over the next handful of games. And like you said, that's not going to be any easy task for the for those opponents that they're going up against. Um, you know, I think, I think if there's any silver lining, it's that the Lynx went through a, a similar situation last year where they started 0-4 and then ended up on a, you know, as a top three seed uh, when things kind of looked like they were going downhill um, mm-hmm. last year. Uh, I, but I guess the, the big difference between what happened last year and what happened this year is, is well, first and foremost, the Fisa Collier <laughs> isn't walking through that door anytime soon, uh, if, if at all. Um, and I think a lot of the focus surrounding the Lynx for the first handful of games is how poor their point guard play has been. And I, justifiably so. That's definitely something that needs to be criticized. But I think people are underestimating how much this team misses Collier and what she brings on both sides of the court. Um, she, she was last year Minnesota's leading scorer and was number two in pretty much every other statistical category. Including um, assists, by the way. Yeah, including assists. And she was one of the best, better defenders uh, on the court because she can defend both in the paint and on the perimeter a little bit. Um, not having her around is is a, is a huge minus um, and is, you know, I, frankly, it's it's impossible for them to um, combat with the, with the players that are currently on the roster. And that's no slight on those players. It's just Nafis Collier is one of the best in the game. I mean, I think there's still a gap 
even now between the player Nafisa Collier is and her reputation, I don't think you can make a serious argument that she's not one of the top 10 players in the WNBA. I think you can make a very compelling argument that she's one of the top five. And simply replacing a player like that by itself causes issues before you get into all the knock-on issues, uh, before you get into the fact that her primary position, uh, the backup would be Demiris Dantas, and you don't have Dantas available right now, before you get into the fact that Kayla McBride could potentially be somebody who picks up the slack as one of your main scorers, and she's just not, she's not there right now. So again and again, the answers that would be readily available are not on the waiver wire. They are players who need to walk through this door. Uh, there is one who's there. I want to talk about uh, right after this. Uh, and that is Jessica Shepard, who I know you're working on a piece about that for us over at the next as well. Uh, but I want to talk to you about our partners at Bet Online, who continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Uh, when I say all, I mean all. Uh, there are three WNBA games tonight, and Bet Online has odds for all three of them up. Interestingly, by the way, New York Liberty six-point favorites over Indiana Fever. So the odds makers are not necessarily assuming that what Indiana did to Minnesota will carry over into New York. Atlanta is a nine-point underdog at home against Las Vegas, the 2-0 Atlanta dream. So oddsmaker's not quite ready yet to buy into the Ryan Howard uh, ascendancy. And the Mystics uh, are favored by seven against Dallas coming in. That I can tell you that seems relatively normal if you follow men's sports, but it's, it's not on the women's sports side. And there has been a real gap between the information available for men's and women's sports. So, again, BetOnline, your continued source for all your sports wager information. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online, where the game starts. Uh, where a lot of possessions start for Minnesota is Jessica Shepard, which to see her at first, you would not necessarily assume that. But somebody who is leading the team in assist percentage, 29.3%, you know, that's point guard-like numbers. Uh, tell me about how Jessica Shepard is – delivering nine assists in the most recent game and what it says about where she is as a player. Yeah. You know, I think I, I have been very surprised by her play. Um, you know, she had an excellent college career, um, showed some promise during her rookie season, but battled some injuries. Um, didn't really get on the court a whole lot last season. Um, also injuries and, and being stuck behind Dantas and Fowles and Collier. And there's just only so many minutes that can go around. Um, but with through the first handful of games here, uh, she's been given the opportunity to go out there and make plays, and she's made the most of it. Um, I was, you know, I'll, I will, I'll be frank, I was very critical of the Lynx uh, holding on to her uh, uh, during the offseason. I thought, you know, what she had shown in the past and kind of the production she had, health issues, you know, I, I questioned if keeping her on the roster was uh, in the team's best interest. And so far, I, I've been proven very wrong. Um, and I think a lot of people have been proven wrong along the lead too. Um, you know, she's, she's arguably the best passer on the team, uh, as you've mentioned. Um, she's really great at kind of that, that um, high post, low post action uh, with Sylvia Fowles. Um, and she's been shooting fairly well from three. At, at the very least, she's not afraid to, to, to hoist it up there, which at least puts pressure 
on the teams uh, to come out and guard her, which then opens up greater passing lanes to get the fouls. You know, I think um, Joe Reeve and, and the whole Lynx organization has to be very pleased with the way that she started. I don't think you could have asked for a better start uh, from her. Another great example of some really good drafting from Cheryl Reeve. I, I believe she was 18th overall uh, when she was selected. Uh, I will acknowledge uh, I've been wrong on other instances, uh, but in this case, uh, I feel very much vindicated as somebody uh, who has uh, written about Jessica Shepard dating back to her freshman year at Nebraska, uh, where I had an editor let me uh, follow her for a few weeks and write about her in her freshman year. Uh, I've seen her impress me again and again at Notre Dame and felt like it was just a question of how we could best see her blossom under Cheryl, whether the minutes would be there. And so now that the minutes are there in her age 25 season, uh, it's significant. And, and it's notable how much the shape of her game even resembles that of Collier. You know, we talked about the difficulty replacing her, but it's an opportunity to see her replicate that for uh, a significant amount of the season. And it's going to need to happen over the medium term, too, to the extent that Demiris Dantas is not able to come and plug that hole. So has to be encouraging, you know, to kind of take the bright side of it. I continue. I, you know, I know I might be a lonely voice, uh, but I, I think Minnesota figures it out. I think there are, it's not just a question of, you know, well, Cheryl Reeve knows what she's doing. Although it's very much that, but it is absolutely the fact that when you've got, you're saying they're not walking through that door today. Right. But mm -hmm. McBride is walking through that door soon. Nafisa Collier plans to return and play this year. You know, there are players available that can make a difference. Aerial Powers at the three is a different proposition than Aerial Powers at the two. Uh, Demiris Dantas getting healthy and Jessica Shepard being a combo with her at the four is significant. And, you know, the center in Minnesota, I think, is pretty good. I've heard good things about Sylvia Fowles. I think she has a chance to be a star in this league at some, you know, at some point. So, you know, that's a lot of talent. That's a lot of talent to not figure it out is kind of the way I think about it. You, does that sound unreasonably optimistic to you? No, I don't think so. You know, if you look at Minnesota's top end talent, like you said, I mean, it's right up there with some of the best in the league. Like, uh, Sylvia hasn't exactly been playing her best basketball, but once she figures it out, like she's still an MVP caliber um, type of player. Um, in many ways, uh, Caleb McBride provides a lot of what the Lynx are lacking right now, particularly a, a consistent threat from, from the three-point line. Mm -hmm. um, we talked about how Ariel Powers is just playing way out of, uh, out of position right now, out of necessity. You know, I, I think you know, I wrote in the piece that you alerted to earlier that uh, Cheryl Reeve put a lot of kind of gambled on McCautry and Clarendon being healthy and being ready to go. Um, and, you know, for, you know, unfortunately, it just didn't work out. Uh, that was kind of the risk they took. If things play out differently and they're both healthy and ready to go and they're on the team now, things completely look different. You know, I think uh, I also wrote in the piece like, uh, you know, in the WNBA, when it's, there's just a condensed amount of teams and there's a bunch of talents on every team in the league and the season is only 36 games long, you know, a little bit of injury, bad luck and a lot of bit of or and a little bit of like the wrong transaction at the wrong time that can turn teams from being a contender to being, you know, on the, on the cusp of missing the playoffs. Oh, and you yeah. look at the links, literally every single one of their gambles have not paid off to this point. Uh, there's just, uh, you know, 
you mentioned Cheryl Reeve and the coaching staff is, is, is among the best in the league, if not the best in the league. The top end talent is there. They just need something to go right for them. And, mm-hmm. and then the, the ship can be righted. I do. The last thing I want to cite, by the way, about Jessica Shepard, her turnovers were a huge problem. She was north of 31% turnover percentage of rookie year in 2019, 26.1 last year. They're down to 16.8. So again, it's just worth noting, not only is she, and you've pointed this out previously, uh, the best entry passer on the team, but she's making better decisions with the ball consistently. So it's very interesting to see. But to your larger point, a lot of those things need to change. And those are things, those are non-controllables, right? Cheryl can make these moves, but ultimately players have to come back healthy. McBride needs to close things out overseas and return as she so often does. Uh, It's going to be fascinating to see, and they're going to get plenty of tests soon. Uh, I I will note that, uh, you know, I'm grateful to everyone who listens to us and makes Locked On Women's Basketball your first listen but and and you may know this. There's uh, a league that plays on the men's side too that gives men the opportunity to play basketball called Locked on NBA. Uh, I, I believe they even have a, ta- a team in Minnesota as well. Is that correct? They do. Mm-hmm. Believe it or not, it's same same stadium too. Very interesting. I'll have to look into that further. I hear they even have uh, a Jersey kid in Carl Anthony Towns. They're always good to see Jersey products like Carl Anthony Towns and Cheryl Reeve going out to the Midwest and making good. So congratulations, uh, Carl Anthony Towns as well. So go ahead, make your second listen, Locked On NBA. From the first jump all the playing tournament to the last possession of the finals, Locked On experts take you deep inside the playoffs with insight and analysis affecting Lucas, get this, all 30 teams. Wouldn't that be nice? A lot of teams. 30 teams compared to 12. Well, here's hoping that changes. Uh, Lucas Seehofer, make sure you're following him. Make sure you're reading all the good work that he's doing. Uh, It's a pleasure to chat with you. And I predict we will have happy returns on this program talking about the Minnesota Lynx. Thanks again, Howard. Let's, uh, Let's plan on that. Let's make that a thing. Make sure you're following us at The Next Hoops on Twitter. Make sure you're listening every day, Locked on Women's Basketball, wherever you get your podcasts, at Locked on WBB. We'll be back with a full slate of shows again next week. Thank you very much. Have a lovely weekend. You are Locked on Women's Basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. And now a bonus track because just at the moment we ended our recording, the Minnesota Lynx have done the following. They have signed Mariah Jefferson. Such a great fit. And Davina Westbrook makes all the sense in the world. Uh, Nicolina Milich is back. Uh, Senator Hannah Shervin, am I saying that right? That's correct, yep. And Yvonne Turner, as we thought, uh, coming back as well. Uh, Just real quickly about this, and obviously we'll go uh, talk to Cheryl about it uh, as well, but just Mariah as a fit, how do you see her uh, working as essentially, I think, the starting point guard going forward, right? Yeah, I I would... uh definitely assume that's the case um you know i think like you said she's uh, of the players available she was a, a an amazing fit um for for the links i think she'll bring a lot of what cheryl reeves wants out of the point guard position 
Um, and then also interesting that uh, they went ahead and signed Avina uh, Westbrook as well uh, to mm -hmm. uh, not to a hardship deal. That's what it was originally uh, press released as I, I believe yesterday that it was going to be a hardship deal. Um, mm -hmm. It is now just a, a rest of season contract. Um, but yeah, and, and that was someone that the, the Lynx had kind of been tied to during draft time as well. Um, but ultimately, uh, she, I, I believe she won a couple of picks before the Lynx ultimately traded their, their draft picks anyway. Um, but yeah, I think in, in this instance, Reeve got two players uh, that she really, really uh, coveted. Mariah Jefferson, her career, 39.1% three-point shooter. I just can't emphasize that enough. Uh, she can get to the basket. She's a terrific distributor, but Dallas had too many point guards. And so she waited it out and she was able to get one of them without it costing her anything in terms of talent. So I, I'm pleased and I feel vindicated by my optimism in the first 30 minutes of our show, uh, reinforced here in the final two minutes. Better days are coming. <laughs> we'll see you next week. In the meantime, expect, I don't know, 30 more moves, right? Exactly. Have a good weekend, everybody. You are locked on women's basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.